0: Hello, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film.
1: i said hello i'm harry i i was i was gonna say it in a like red queen sort of voice but then i i kind of chickened out <laughs> i was gonna go hello i'm harry but anyway we are here ladies and gentlemen at the end of an era this is resident evil the final chapter
0: it's a little bit emotional i think mm. because when we started this podcast, we kind of thought this is going to be basically just Resident Evil and Pokemon movies. Mm. And we found out, obviously, there's a lot more to video game movies than just that. But it's always been a kind of like, you know, it's like riding the sort of crest of a wave like peaks and valleys and just the undulation of our podcast. There would always be these little milestones would just be and now another resident evil movie and now another Mm -hmm. pokemon movie and now a resident evil movie and a pokemon movie and everything would kind of rotate around those um two big franchises
1: yeah the difference is they haven't made sort of 22 resident evil films so far Mm -hmm. um i was trying to do my ranking of these films and there was there's six films and i kept because they don't they're not called resident evil 1 resident evil 2 resident evil 3 i had to keep checking to see if i had missed out any of the films because they're not called resident evil 1 2 3 4 5 they are um you know we've got we've often said they're they're difficult to remember and i think it was only when watching this film that i finally could think to myself oh that's a bit like afterlife and that's a bit like
0: retribution and of course this is Resident Evil, the final chapter, which... The final chapter. Would be strange if this was movie number four, but I guess there have been horror movie franchises which have had final chapters and then returns. I
1: mean, this is definitely very unique in terms of horror cinema that a final chapter is a final chapter. And I know there's going to be some wags on twitter that's what they're called i'm using 19th century language to describe twitter but there'll be some wags on twitter saying oh so i guess the upcoming resident evil movie i think it's called resident evil raccoon city it proves it's not the final chapter well that's a that's a reboot man that's a reboot
0: (laughs) yes of course there's the new resident evil movie coming out later this year um and we also have three Resident Evil animated CG movies um, to get through as well, with a bunch of other confusing titles. I keep on forgetting which one's which of those. There's, of course, Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, the CG anime series, which ties into those three movies as well, coming out in July, I believe. And there's also the live-action Resident Evil Netflix series. So we're not exactly going to be starved for Resident Evil content going forward. But it is definitely... Um, bittersweet goodbye to the anderson jovovich resident evil saga
1: yeah i think it's appropriate that we're doing the final chapter now before i think things are kicking off into high gear for the 25th anniversary because there's not going to be no more resi content Is we've got a full dish what does <laughs> yeah. a full dish mean a full menu i don't know <laughs>
0: A hefty serving of Resident Evil in the form of the new installment. I think we did an episode when it was Resident Evil 3 remake came out last year. But um, at the moment, the new release is Resident Evil Village, which uh, is Resident Evil 8. I think it's just called Village Resident Evil. It's one of those things where, you know, you can call it three or four different names. I think everyone's just going to call it Resident Evil Village or RE8 or whatever.
1: I mean, I don't know much about this game because I follow the series a little less closely than you. As far as I gather from the internet, it's about a tall lady who steps on you. (laughs) I think everyone wants this lady to step on them.
0: I think that's um, fan fetish. Um, I don't Um, know whether she actually does step on you. She's just really tall. She's like nine foot six. Sure. Um, But is it her
1: legs or her body or? I guess she's tall all over.
0: Yeah. Resident Evil Tall All Over is the new title. It'd be strange if she had seven foot legs and a two foot rest of her.
1: It's like, isn't, so as you're saying, Resident Evil Village has got the number eight sort of built into its font. This is font talk with Resident Evil. I mean, (laughs) I will say watching the credits for this film and the titles for this film, I was like, I'm going to miss this font with the big pointy R. (laughs) and everything so you know i was going to say bye bye resident evil fonts, but um yeah i was just wondering what what they're going to do for the next resident evil film how they're going to fit nine i guess they'll put the nine into the r and make it a back to front
0: nine well i think the next game it's always embedded in as roman numerals so village is eight in terms of the v the i and the two l's um, so I guess for 9, they'll have to fit an I and an X in there. So maybe they'll call it, I don't know, Mixture Resident Evil. So as we've, as we've said,
1: as we have established, there's lots to be excited about <laughs> in Resident Evil with all these different exciting fonts. Well, um, I'm
0: looking forward to the new game because it's a continuation of Resident Evil 7 biohazard or biohazard resident evil or you know various different combinations of of names again but with seven embedded in the title somewhere um but it seems to be marrying a lot of the kind of spooky weird gothicness of resident evil 4 uh with that so there's werewolves now and vampires now and so they're sort of doing that Doctor Who thing when they have
1: a vampire episode, but they're actually, you know, hemovores or something. They're, they're still aliens. It's always an alien.
0: Yeah, I guess it is like they're going to... I think in the latest trailer, they do refer to lichens, So mm-hmm. they are using that as the name for the werewolves. But I guess it will be a case that... Underneath this big, scary castle, there's a laboratory. And in that laboratory, they're splicing wolf DNA with the Mm T-virus.
1: And they have a big curtain with the moon on it. So the wolves see the moon. And they're like, oh, it's a full moon every
0: single night. I do remember there was that Resident Evil comic book, which does have other encounters for the stars team. And one of them was Jill Valentine on campus posing as a university student. And she was uh, investigating werewolves. And um, so, you know, it is somewhere in the Resident Evil universe prior. Probably not canon, but there we go.
1: You're probably the only person who's uh, awaiting this upcoming Resident Evil game. And you're like, oh, just like the comics. Was it like Malibu <laughs> comics or something? I can't remember. Just like the 90s comics with with no swearing, but lots of blood.
0: I think it's interesting because quite, quite a lot of... Fans of Resident Evil have, you know, read the spinoffs and we mentioned in the Mass Effect episode last time, you have, you know, novelizations and tie-ins and things which build upon the universe. And sometimes it's canon and sometimes it isn't. And I think I was reading just when I was doing some research for Resident Evil Final Chapter, um, it was just about the fate of one character in this movie. And it said uh, in the film, their head is bitten by this monster. In the novelization, however, the monster merely tears off the skin of their head and they are screaming, clutching at their skull face, <laughs> bleeding to death instead. And they're just like, that's nice.
1: <laughs> mm. I thought they'd stop doing novelizations, but I've seen things like a novelization for the remake of Halloween. And I just think, how does that work? Like, like I heard some breathing. I turned around. Oh, it was William Shatner. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think the only novelization of a film I've read was Mars Attacks. Okay. <laughs>
1: but no, actually, it's, it's very intriguing because uh, that's got a tall lady in it. It turns out to be a Martian.
0: Yeah. Is it just pages
1: and pages. Oh, the important question. Did they translate what the Martians were actually saying? Or was it just act, ack, act all the way? Oh, good
0: question. I can't remember.
1: I do think there's a special alchemy when it comes to film novelizations well you know maybe we can do books on games on film one episode (laughs) read a few novelizations or maybe we can do a whole series where it could be like radio 4's book of the week resident evil the final chapter the novelization
0: yes the games on film book club yeah up yours richard and judy
1: (laughs) um anything else about the world of resident evil that we need to discuss
0: Well, there's a bunch of other stuff which will be happening for the 25th anniversary, along with the release of Resident Evil Village. There's this extra, I think, online multiplayer game called RE-Verse, where you have all these characters from all these different Resident Evil games shooting each other for some reason. (laughs) Um, And yeah, Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, as we said, and welcome to Raccoon City um, at the end of the year. So there'll be more to talk about. Um, in future episodes for sure.
1: I think this is the year when people are remaking the cinema of Paul W.S. Anderson and they're like, they're making a New Resident Evil film, they've got a new Mortal Kombat film and people are like, no, you
0: can't remake these classics. Pompeii reboot when? <laughs> we never saw what happened in Herculaneum. <laughs> Why the hell is Herculaneum? Is that, Isn't from- that one of the other cities which got destroyed by Vesuvius but is actually better preserved and doesn't get enough credit
1: oh for goodness sake this is a resident evil video game movie podcast don't want to talk about the classical history it's (laughs) far too smart anyway um so yes as we say end of an era that will never will never say again this is games and film uh my name is alice i don't know where i was going with that but yeah i'm just gonna miss her saying my name is alice
0: Well, we will have Monster Hunter to cover at some point. So this won't be the last that we see of Jovovich Anderson, Capcom video game team up because that still hasn't been released in the UK. I think the latest is that it's meant to come out in the cinema in June. I've been
1: been refreshing that, the Cineworld listings page every hour of every day (laughs) until it appears. (laughs) Okay, you made me feel a bit better. I can just, (laughs) I'm sure, be in the cinema watching Monster Hunter, closing
0: my eyes and thinking, oh, if you
1: squint, this looks a bit like a Resident Evil film.
0: I think her character in that's called Artemis, so she'll just say, My name is Artemis, and I remember everything.
1: (laughs) It's very funny how, skipping really ahead, spoilers for Resident Evil, the final chapter, her her catchphrase for a little bit was I remember everything and then this film categorically says you don't remember anything before like the first film remember
0: but (laughs) she she does give us an opening monologue where she explains everything about the history of the umbrella corporation which we have never seen or heard before but she presents it like It's a recap, but it's all news to us.
1: There is some serious, serious retconning in this film, but you know (laughs) what? I was completely for it. And her opening monologue, does she does say, they say history is written by the victors. This then is the history of the Umbrella Corporation. And I'm like, "Mm, what does that mean? Well, let's elaborate. And then she does the sort of potted history of the Umbrella Corporation. But then she ends her speech with, my name is Alice. And this is my story, the end of my story. And I was just thinking, you said at the start, this was the history of the Umbrella Corporation, but you're saying it's your story. But now I realise on air, maybe she's more connected to the Umbrella Corporation than I previously thought.
0: Well, before we get too ahead of ourselves, um, do we want to talk a little bit about... The genesis of the film, or do we want to just get stuck into the synopsis and take it from there? I expect the genesis is Paul W S Anderson sticking his head around the door
1: of whatever studio he's tricked to funding this thing, and goes, uh, "What about the final chapter?" <laughs> and they go, "Make it, print it, go." Here's ten pounds. <laughs> I think that's fair enough. <laughs> Here's my credit card. I only use it for emergencies when he makes Resident Evil the final chapter. what's this i bought a tank with motorcycles which come out the side of it
0: whatever for (laughs) but the way the motorcycle comes out it's like robocop's gun coming out of his leg uh well you know i was thinking
1: i bet this happens in episode 36 of mask because we (laughs) name dropped mask last time and thought this is just this is just a toy, which they just don't make toys like this anymore. Hey, kids, it's really even the final chapter. <laughs> the, toy, the toy line. Yeah,
0: I think they missed out. I don't think they made any... I mean, I'm sure there's some collectibles, statue thingies to sell mm. to... Hot you Topic. Know. Is it Hot Topic or Hot Toys? But, you know, I'm sure there's that. But, yeah, we've missed out on Alice with, like, Battle Gear and carlos with exploding armor and
1: i did feel that alice's fashion
0: was a a little bit more toned down in this film like i don't think
1: buckles endless buckles are very practical post-apocalypse so i'm glad she found found a costume change
0: she kept on getting them snagged on door handles
1: (laughs) so for fuck's sake (laughs) so she'd be running through the desert with like leather trousers and like trying to like holding her hands to her chest for modesty's sake and in the other hand she's got like a machine gun and she's blowing away an enormous flying monster well this is uh, one of
0: the rare resident evil movies where she isn't naked at any point
1: no and i i do want to because that's a big sigh like i wish i (laughs) I liked it when you got to see a little bit of muff (laughs) um no like I think it's just that she was older. She's a, She was a mum now. The
0: Red Queen in this film is played by her daughter, I believe. Yes, that's right. Eva Anderson, who yeah. um, is uh, set to play young Black Widow in the Black Widow movie and will also be the titular Wendy in Peter Pan and Wendy.
1: Oh, right. Okay. So, like again, casting agents were like, get me that AI child. <laughs> oh, she really is red. <laughs> okay, we could fix that. Yeah. Anyway, you know, just just while on topic of giant monsters, I mean, what, I, what, what,
0: where did
1: <laughs> because we, I I, we're I told I, you I, about <laughs> a
0: small child and you're like I'm the top, I'm I the just topic hate of giant monsters. I just
1: hate little girls. Okay, I don't know. I think I think we're getting ahead of ourselves a bit because I think mean, what is really refreshing about this film is we learn what Umbrella's plan was all along. I guess, <laughs> 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 but,
0: but I don't know. I just like you. I just where where did they store these giant monsters? <laughs> well, we see the liquor break out of a containment facility in the first film,
1: but like these are big, big monsters, and uh, no, I think I think maybe we shouldn't get too ahead of ourselves because I think I'll, I'll I'll say right now I enjoyed myself, but I'm worried if I talk too much about this I'll start to misunderstand it. Is <laughs> <If laughs> anything to understand? <laughs> It's best not to think about it too much and just you know what you know what. Enjoy I need? it. I need the back of a video box to explain to me what's what is going on. Um, so well, we, where we last left the film, we last left the last last left Alice. Um, she's on top of the White House, having now this is important. Having recently received her powers back, and she's with Wesker, and she's with. Uh Leon Kennedy and Ada Wong and all these characters. The whisker says something along the lines of This Is Humanity's Last Stand and we pull out and you know, those those giant monsters I talked about. And so okay, I'm assuming this film picks up exactly
0: where the last film ended. Well, I'm gonna read the synopsis on the back of the box, and the first sentence is Picking up after Resident Evil Retribution. Oh, that's useful. Alice, Mila Jovovich, is the only survivor of what was meant to be humanity's final stand against the undead. Now, she must return to where the nightmare began, the Hive in Raccoon City.
1: Can I just stop you there? Because, like, it does really sound like Paul Anderson was like, oh, this will make sense if you read the box. (laughs) This opening. Like, where's Where's everyone gone? Just read the box. Read the box. Anyway,
0: continue. We got to go to the Hive from Resident Evil 1. In Raccoon City, although as um, Dr. Isaacs says in the film, he always pronounces it Raccoon City. And I'm not too sure whether I should start speaking like he does. Mm. Raccoon I mean, City.
1: That's just a choice, I think. I think he's, I mean, he stabbed somebody in this film for handing him a glass of water. So I wouldn't want to correct him on how he pronounces raccoon. <laughs> and he hear oh, it like 45 I... times a day. Like, oh God, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Then you see that knife, you're like, oh, I shouldn't. Oh, I'd I
0: kill can't. for a cup of water.
1: <laughs> you really would. Watch me. Oh, sparkling. <laughs> it's like, oh, you don't know how difficult it is to get sparkling water during an apocalypse. Ice. <laughs> Have you got any cordial? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Robinson's fruit shoot. <laughs> this is double strength. I like regular. Okay, carry on. Ribena. Anyway, she must return to where the nightmare began, the Hive in Raccoon City, where the Umbrella Corporation is gathering its forces for a final strike against the only remaining survivors of the apocalypse. I like
1: how the Umbrella Corporation gathering its forces is like Wesker in a room. <laughs> uh, what
0: about the, the tanks that they have, the transporter vehicles?
1: Oh, um, but they, they said in Raccoon City... Umbrella's gathering its forces. Yeah, they're heading there. I, mm, okay. Okay, Mr. Synopsis Writing Person. I grant you that.
0: Well, the front of the box says the most successful video game-based franchise ever. A quote from Forbes magazine. Mm. Which is That's fairly fact. true. If That's you don't facts. count Pokemon, possibly.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. How much money do Pokemon movies make?
0: I think they make quite a bit in the in Japan. Forbes
1: doesn't care about the Japan Japan. Japan takings. I don't know. But no, we've said this before, and you know, this is a good time to sort of tie a ribbon on it. You see you're watching this movie. Resident Evil's been a fantastic success as a film franchise. Again, it's it's um quality in terms of the films is is debatable and certainly uh, when put against and we what, debate about them <laughs> and what. what fans want from an adaptation but you know i was again watching this film with my woke lefty head on thinking this is a film where like a an older woman and like two other women are like taking charge and you know we said this before like we you know she's like an action star and yes yeah, she's she's got this very narrow sort of series of films, basically films directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. Although I watched her in Hellboy, that Hellboy reboot, with um, Dadbod in it. What's his name? David Harbour. David Harbour. You know, it was... I mean, this is one of the worst films I've seen at the cinema, to be honest, but mia Ovovich was, was all right in it. She's pretty good. But yeah, I, uh, I think we've said this before, we... We celebrate video game movies and I think it's easy to forget that these films are really successful and they kind of do what they set out to achieve. I mean, I'm looking at the box office takings of this film and I'm having a look at the production budget. It was made for $40 million and worldwide it made $312 million. I can see why they're making more.
0: Yeah. I mean, as you say, like, you know, they are successful on their own terms and particularly internationally do, do very well at the, uh, the respective box offices worldwide. So, uh, there was always going to be like another one and another one. And I guess in a way, this film tries to wrap up the story, but it's one of those things where, as we've noticed and, uh, noted many times on the podcast each film kind of paints itself into a corner and then completely reverses what it set out to do and retcons everything and doesn't care which characters it brings back when like they'll mm. disappear off screen if needed it's just like you know we got to get this film done we got to get this film made and we'll just you know forget what i said last time i'm going to do whatever i want to do because I want Alice to do this thing. I want her to shoot this monster. I want her to go to this location, and I don't care how she gets there. We're just going to do it anyway.
1: One thing you said, I think, kind of encapsulates why I really, I think, like this final chapter, because I think for the last few films, probably since, probably since film one, maybe even, but there's definitely been a sense of the filmmakers doing things which are cool regardless of whether it makes any sense or I think they're completely led by doing things because they're cool in the moment but I felt the final chapter because it was getting to an end point I really felt this was the first Resident Evil film in some time which had a sense of its own history and Mm. um wanted to wrap things up I mean at the end of every single Resident Evil film I would say since Apocalypse, the second one, you just get a sense that things are just going to continue on and on and on. And so um, thinking about this film and the franchise as a whole, I I feel you could watch the first film and then go right to this one um, Mm. and nothing much changes. I think the only big difference is that a, a bomb, a nuclear bomb goes off in Raccoon City or Raccoon City in Apocalypse. And and so that explains why there's a, a big crater where Raccoon Suti used to be. But I feel like Resident Evil, the final chapter, and the first Resident Evil film can be just their own little, their own little box set, perhaps. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I was just looking at my notes here, and I've written that. I feel like for the first time, Paul W. Sanderson is sort of tapping in to what will uh, resonate emotionally with the fans. And and this is definitely for the fans, because if you if it is your first Resident Evil film, you'll be extremely lost. <laughs> God even, help you. But even though like we've already said it retcons a lot. So you know <laughs> But that's the thing. That... I,
0: I think yes, that this film has like a sense of purpose which the other films didn't. They were just set out to have like cool action and entertain and throw in some references to the games and just have a big jolly about everything. But this, yeah, because it is going towards an end point and it is trying to tie everything up to the first film and having this history of umbrella and stuff. I mean, everything this film does kind of contradicts or... Replicates what went before this is like both the greatest hits and also oh that stuff that happened forget it like it, it it messes up with the timeline if you think about that which we had in the previous installments it's so but i i think it, it benefits from having this yeah having this kind of objective to not progress the story any further and try its best question mark to do something with the Alice character and to finally Mm. do something with Umbrella. You know, after the first film, it's just, Alice, I don't know what's going on. I don't know who I am. Wait, I do remember everything. I'm against Umbrella. I've got powers. I don't have powers. I've got powers again. I don't have powers again. It's just this constant just seesawing of, like, what is happening and who cares and who is the main baddie? And this film finally gives you the states and finally gives you some backstory and gives you some character and it's i think you know you can disagree (laughs) disagree with the choices they made but at least Mm. they finally in the sip film decided what the story was my name is alice and this is the end
2: of my story humanity will cease to exist unless you return to the hide This
3: is what I do. Is that all you got? Because if it is, I'm going to have to kill you.
1: In the start of the film, we meet um, Dr. Isaacs again, who I think we last saw as a sort of big armed monster. He's got like a a nine foot arm and he's, killed to death and but we see him now in a flashback now I'm going to I'm just trying to think of how to <laughs> position this basically he's mates with Wesker i kept thinking about how i would love to see a peep show style sitcom with dr isaacs and albert wesker and you know they're hearing you can hear their thoughts and it's all done in the first person they definitely
0: they definitely have like this snarky old married couple relationship. Mm. They're very sort of sarcastic um, with each other. And like the obviously like Isaacs is the boss and West is kind of his lap dog. But there is like it's... a slightly smirky tension between them. I mean, I think what we'll do,
1: I think it be easier to talk about all the flashback stuff rather than sort of dancing around everything so we have this flashback and it's just like in the in the before times so what like 2000 <laughs> maybe and yeah as we established dr isaacs and albert wesker they do they run umbrella the reason why i'm always ending this with a question mark is that you said that albert wesker was a lackey but he is absolutely established to be like the head of umbrella in like what in, in like two of the films.
0: And yeah, then, I mean he's a lackey to Isaacs. I suppose. I mean, again, at least in this film, like the way they characterise him, him because they characterise yes. Wester different in each movie. But in this film, they do yeah. have that kind of relationship. <laughs> I mean,
1: do, do you remember how one time Claire Redfield and Chris Redfield unloaded their entire guns into his face? Yep. And then in this film, he he get, he traps his foot in a door yeah <laughs> he traps his
0: foot in the door and that's what stops him i mean it could it's, be another clone I just have to say, it's like clones clones
1: it's like oprah winfrey you got a clone you got a
0: clone everyone's got clones yeah so in this opening monologue alice is giving us this history of umbrella which has not been mentioned before and We find out that one of the founders of Umbrella was Professor James Marcus, who's a character we have not encountered, but the name Marcus James Marcus appears, I think, first in Resident Evil Zero as a founder of Umbrella, and he had a daughter called Alicia, who was afflicted with this uh, premature aging wasting disease called Progeria, and in order to combat that, he developed the T virus, um, which. Is kind of exactly what happened with Doctor Ashford with his daughter Angela in Resident Evil: Apocalypse, but I guess couldn't get Jared Harris again. That was like five films ago. God, <laughs> it's just this like this franchise is just like they toss a fresh new little girl in every movie and then they disappear. Like at the end of Retribution, Alice saves this little girl and. I guess she died in the big White House climax,
1: but... I want to go to, like, Comic-Con and have a panel where all the Red Queens are there. And they're <laughs> all, like, one, they're, like, a couple of years older, each of them, and they're all going to get on the front of the stage and they'll cut out all the lights with just red
0: spotlights and all of them, and they say,
1: you're all going to die down here.
0: Except they'd all be like, you're all going to die down here because they're now all in their 20s. They were
1: young, life had been good to them, they will learn, as I think uh Sweeney
0: Todd once said but anyway (laughs) um Um, so yes this daughter uh Alicia he preserved her when she was younger recording her voice and her likeness oh yeah just in case just in case
1: (laughs) hey why are you doing this daddy I'm gonna record your likeness and personality into a computer you know just in case you die (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty harsh dad
0: Um, But this then became the Red Queen. They had the breakthrough with the T-virus. It could treat thousands of illnesses, but it had unforeseen side effects. And there was an outbreak incident. And this isn't the incident in Raccoon City, which was the deliberate release of the T-virus. This isn't even the T-virus outbreak thing we saw in Tokyo in one of the other films. This is a completely new one where a small child chokes on a lozenge and becomes a zombie in a big cable car. And I'm assuming this lozenge came from the Umbrella Corporation. I
1: assume so, whether it's like an umbrella cough suite. Yeah, they did pharmaceuticals and like someone's patting their pockets. They'd be like, where did I put that (laughs) T-virus I I had to put it here right next to the lozenge machine. (laughs) (laughs) I like a good zombie kid, though. Good child death and zombification. I mean, on the subject of zombies, again, I felt like zombies for the last few films have been just... Meet in the room. They've been meat in the room. There have been zombies, but it's always felt like they, they're they not a threat. And I just got a sense, especially at the siege, that zombies were a bit more of a threat again. I mean, they've, they've fully transformed into running zombies. So I guess that's a shame. I guess they've stopped, there's not many people to eat, so they've lost weight. <laughs> now they can run really fast. But, you know, using zombies as, as sort of a weapon, you know, they are these giant tanks going across the country with a whole sort of herd of zombies behind them and you know i thought that was neat so yeah liking effective. the effective liking the zombies in this film liking the there's a few gory kills sort of remembering its higher roots there's a zombie which gets crushed by a big door which is, is always fun so yeah
0: this is definitely compared to retribution which was very very action action and of course this film has lots of action too there's motorbike chases and car chases and explosions and kung fu fighting and all sorts but this definitely does go back to the whole lots and lots of silence very very quiet bang loud noise monster approach to horror um that the first film did
1: i first saw this film in imax 3d after watching the previous five resident evil films in the same day and i remember jumping out of my seat when a a dot matrix printer starts whirring and you know this was like imax 4dx sound or whatever you call it so yeah that was um pretty scary
0: you're like uh old technology (laughs)
1: Oh. My satellites show there are 4,472 humans remaining on the surface of the earth. They will cease to exist in under 48 hours. What do you want from me?
2: You want me to say that you've won? You've wiped out humanity. No, quite the opposite. I want you to stop me. To stop me. I want you to stop me.
1: Did you notice just how little slow motion there was in this film?
0: I think my eyes finally reach normal speed again after the last movie to finally watch something in regular motion.
1: No, but seriously, the last few Paul W. S. Anderson films, they have so much slow motion. And I think we've mentioned this before. It doesn't. He does it because it looks cool in his head, <laughs> but it drags things down. And it got to a point with the last film where we're having. A slow motion fight and then we cut to somebody underwater which is also in slow motion but i noticed during like the big siege of the building that there hadn't really been any slow motion and i watched and i watched and i watched and it like there's so little slow motion it's unreal it's only used like a normal filmmaker might use it just to just extend some slight moments of horror and things So. I think that's why I feel this film moves at a much better clip. I'm not like rolling my eyes every time someone shoots a pistol and we slow-mo go into the bullet casings, you know?
0: Yeah, they didn't do that this time. That was like their thing for like the past four or five movies.
1: Anyway, uh, instead of slow-mo, they have so many edits during fights. You mentioned that Kung Fu fight. It's kind of like Liam Neeson. Climbing a chain link fence in Taken Three, there's an insane amount of editing.
0: Yeah, and I, th- I think uh, like because we watched it together, I mercifully didn't watch all five films prior to this one before watching this. But I think I, I, I could follow the action better this time because I think we watched it in three D in the cinema, and I didn't watch it in three D this time, and it was. <laughs> You know that the the reason why the 3D works in the cinema for the slow motion stuff is because you can take in all the action better, and all the quick editing in this is just like good for watching it at home and not in 3D because you could it's lots of quick edits, but at least you can kind of make out what's happening. But forget about it if it's in 3D because it's just like a blur at that point.
1: Anyway, we're still on the flashbacks, aren't we? So Wesker and Doctor Isaacs murder. Marcus, right, and <laughs> with a plastic bag it's not
0: even umbrella branded
1: no, and he just sneaks up behind him, so sort of meanwhile, like the daughter is is on the staircase, he actually is she's within hearing distance, and then Isaacs takes the girl Alicia, under his wing, and I'm just like oh you I can imagine Isaac's going, "Oh, your father and I were just talking, and the girl's like, but he was saying,." <laughs> Oh yeah, he's just doing an, an hilarious impression of a man being suffocated.
0: Yeah. We were just talking and he strangely suffocated yes. <laughs> conversation. Must have swallowed his tongue. They called the police, and then it's just as the police
1: arrive, they hear the sirens and the lights outside. And then Wesker's like, oh wait a minute, it's gonna look a bit suspicious if he's got a bag over his head. <laughs> oh. It's not exactly Hitman, is it?
0: He was doing autoerotic asphyxiation. Where are you? Uh, we're watching him. Okay. Make it look like an accident. A sexy accident. <laughs> um, just have him write on his notepad in front of him on his desk.
1: This is an accident. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining someone like accidentally dying but taking the time to write out what's happening in longhand. But anyway...
0: After the T-Virus was released, a secret file was uploaded to my data stream. It was a recording of a meeting of the Umbrella High Command dated 17
1: months before the viral outbreak occurred.
2: We're here today not just to talk about the future of this company. We're here to talk about its destiny. We're here to talk about the end of the world. We stand on the brink of Armageddon, diseases for which we have no cure. Fundamentalist states who call for our destruction, nuclear powers over which we have no control. And even if we navigate these dangerous waters, we face other, even more inevitable threats. Global warming will melt the polarized gaps within 80 years, flooding 90% of all habitable areas on Earth. Unchecked population growth will overtake food production in less than 50 years, leading to famine. And war, this is not conjecture, this is fact one way or another, our world is coming to an end. Now the question is, will we end with it? What do you propose? I propose that we end the world. But on our terms, an orchestrated apocalypse. One that will cleanse the Earth of its population but leave its infrastructure and resources intact. It's been done once before, with great success. The chosen few will ride out the storm, not in an ark as in the Book of Genesis, but in safety underground. And when it's over, we will emerge onto a cleansed Earth, one that we can then reboot in our image. And just how do you intend to achieve this? The means of our salvation are already at hand. I give to you. The T-virus.
0: Here, at least it deliberately. When this recording was uploaded to my data stream, it created a conflict in my programming. I was created to serve the Umbrella Corporation, but I was also programmed to value human life. Dr. Isaacs allowed the virus to escape. He murdered over seven billion people. My programming will not allow me to harm an employee of the Umbrella Corporation. I am powerless to stop Dr. Isaacs, but you
1: are not. So the only other flashbacks we get, though, is a little bit later on. Because I don't think it's any surprise to learn that little Alicia is Alice. Or more accurately, she is the the DNA. It's, Alice is a clone of Alicia, right? Mm-hmm. And Alicia grows because she has this disease which makes her really, really old. She ends up being Miljevovic in old age makeup. I mean, she looks like 40 or something. And <laughs> um, I can say that because I'm still in my 30s. And so, where am I getting at? I guess it's just fun to have old Miljevovic playing Alicia, who's also the co head of Umbrella?
0: Yeah, so basically, this gets into Umbrella's grand plan. And what happens is that the Red Queen gets in touch with Alice and says that humanity will soon fall and the Red Queen is enlisting Alice's services in order to stop Umbrella. Because Red Queen's, I think, reasoning behind it is that... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine um, the, the... being that. My
1: reasoning for this, Alice, is, um, hang on.
0: Basically, back at the hive in Raccoon City is the antivirus t virus anti T virus hitherto um, unmentioned antivirus. It's the green like tube stuff um, because the T virus is blue stuff. And we see green stuff as well in the first film. So I think it always existed. Oh, right. And yeah. I think they mentioned the antivirus in the first film, oh, but no, they sort of yeah. like happily forgot about it. Because it's just was like. airborne, though? Well, I think they just assumed as well that it was blown up in the nuclear bomb as well. But I guess some of it survived. And basically, Red Queen is saying, like, the answer will be at the Hive why I need you. And it kind of effectively goes into sort of just like Robocop again, like she can't harm Umbrella employees, but, but she has to protect human life. Something like that.
1: I always get confused by these circular arguments. It's like the end of Terminator 2 when Terminator says, I cannot self-terminate. But if I stand in this crane above above molten lead and give you the means to destroy me, then that's not the same thing. <laughs> it's like a little bit of elbow room.
0: And then he know. writes on a piece of paper, it was an accident. <laughs> but it gets burnt up in the lead. Um, but basically, the, the idea is that 10 years ago with the outbreak, they both failed. They are responsible, effectively, for... The fact that there's now only four thousand four hundred and seventy-two humans remaining on Earth, mm. on Earth, and yet they encounter so many survivors in you know the sort of environs close to Raccoon City.
1: Probably the easiest place to survive in this worldwide apocalypse is like directly next to where the virus originated, and where a bomb went off. <laughs> like they never mention how living kind of in a place a bomb destroyed is probably bad for your health. Like I kept it. I've seen so many films like this where like they're in an irradiated wasteland and like a big plot point is to have like anti-radiation pills. And I kept waiting for the moment for the whole boring subplots where they have to find radiation pills or barter with radiation pills. And no, everyone's just radiation proof, I guess. Bottom line, Umbrella is going all Noah's Ark and it's wants to destroy the entire world. And restart it and again they think the best thing to do the best way to do it is to set zombies on the loose
0: it's it's crazy because this whole dimension has not been mentioned once and then all of a sudden the dr isaac's character just emerges as this religious nut yeah who in this grand speech which has been uploaded to the red queen's database and reveals the secret umbrella meeting he kind of hilariously posits that the world has become oversaturated, global warming, overpopulation. We can end the world on our own terms. And he sort of says it's happened once before. And then he taps the Bible. <laughs> it's, oh. And then explains that. But unlike last time with like a great big flood, we can do it. We can kickstart the apocalypse on our own terms and it's 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 like that bit in the omen sits sit sits the omen remake where the start of the film they give the pope a powerpoint presentation all about the book of revelations <laughs> but, like the pope needs to know what's in the book of revelations oh by the way Il Papa, do you know about the antichrist so yeah, I'm the fucking pope. <laughs> he thinks Revelations is like the appendices of the Lord
1: of the Rings trilogy. He doesn't bother to read all that stuff.
0: Oh yeah, um, that's ancillary material for. i have technically
1: not finished the Lord of the Rings because I don't care like the line of kings of the Men of Numenor or some such sort of bollocks. Um, I don't know if I sound a bit like a Thanos apologist though, in that I was listening to his speech and I thought oh, I kind of I kind of
0: get it. It makes sense. Start again. <laughs> I think it's probably because it's delivered with the delicious, mm. golden-throated relish of mm. Ian Glenn. And we've, we've, I think we've been, <sighs> we've come out as Ian Glenn appreciators. And I think the thing is, is that we like a good video game movie villain. And I think he gets overlooked amongst, you know, you have your Titans, you have your Rao Julia as m Boyce, and you have your Keri Hiroyuki Tagawa as Shang Tsung. Give me another. <laughs> Uh, Robert Patrick in Double Dragon. (laughs) Okay. Granted. Okay. Um, But I think pound for pound with both Lara Croft Tomb Raider and appearances in three Resident Evil movies. And I think he delivers some of the juiciest stuff that we've ever seen. And I think even though he only appeared very briefly in, in Resident Evil Apocalypse and he was the main villain in Resident Evil Extinction and he had his moments there, particularly when he gets bitten by a zombie. And goes, oh, God! <laughs> um, but I think this is definitely his um, piece de resistance. Um, because he plays both the original Dr. Isaacs in the flashbacks, and also he reemerges both with the old Alicia version, because all the Umbrella crew have been put in the hive, trigenically frozen, like Noah's Ark, ready to like repopulate and re-emerge as the sort of you know kind of like moonraker with you know Mm. the chosen ones that Drax has taken up into space but in this scenario they've put them right directly under where a nuclear bomb went off which
1: well I know it's a massive retcon but I do find something really eerie about the idea that when I watch Resident Evil 1 again in that tiny little office there's like thousands of bodies beneath they all frozen like, um, like freeze pops you know when you <laughs> cut that's... off the top and
0: start sucking them out that's... <laughs> that's how they were going to get them to the surface um, <laughs> but yeah that's that's the thing it's, it's this whole thing where suddenly it has it, it adds this thing which was never there before and I, I don't know what the bible says about cloning I don't know what the bible says about experiments and creating monsters um it's so weird that it's just like, how are we going to, you know, like they could have done a flood. They could have done. I mean, like in the third film, Resident Evil Extinction, the T-Virus wiped out all water. I mean, if that's the property <laughs> that it has, they should have exploited that more rather than just, oh, let's just, um, I don't know, make a really angry dog.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I think just maybe, you know, Albert Wesker and Isaacs, they're having a sleepover. Um they'd made some frozen pizza and they were like watching late night telly and um they were passing like a joint and things and they were like saying, What's your favorite apocalypse? And I, um, f- <laughs> like, um flood. I like zombies. Let's do zombies <laughs> <laughs> and um they, they made a tea virus which looks just like Mr. T cereal. I just Well, I I, I love how it's just big T's floating (laughs) around the arteries.
0: I think I I think it's more they discovered the T virus and then they realized these are the unforeseen side effects and we can use this to do this big apocalyptic plan. I think it was more just like, Uh oh, well, we got this now. Oh, I guess we could just wipe out all of
1: human life? Oh, but the Flood team was ready to go. They had their special machine to control the clouds and drown the world, but no.
0: But then they realised Sean Connery and the Avengers had
1: it. (laughs) Yeah, they sold it off to Sean Connery in the original The Avengers movie. Yes, original and some would say superior. (laughs) It boggles my brain that we've got Rafe Fiennes in a a new Kingsman movie, Rocking a Bowl Hat and a uh, umbrella again, and then right after that trailer, you see a trailer for No Time to Die. It's like, go f- get out of my face, Rafe Fiennes. Has Rafe Fiennes been in a video game movie? Um, not yet. He's playing Knuckles in Sonic Two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, Lego Batman is, oh, I guess, kind mm. of. I mean, it's derived from Batman and Lego, but kind of Lego Batman, the video game ish. I don't know, grey area. It's only a matter of time. But I, I think, you know, Ray finds Gravitas, Ian Glenn, Gravitas gravy boat. <laughs> <laughs> With a twinkle in his eye at
1: the end. Oh, my God. I mean, okay, I do remember really enjoying a couple of bits of Ian Glenn when I saw this at the cinema. Um, and at the end of the film, so he, so, so the real Dr. Isaacs emerges presumably having no knowledge of alice's actions throughout the last five films but seems to be really chummy with her seems to know everything about her and he has also got this sort of is it like combat predictive algorithms so he can basically sherlock holmes a fight so just like in the guy richie sherlock holmes films he, he sort of Ha- he imagines several scenarios of how to kill Alice. And at the very end, he kills her dead and drinks a whiskey. And there's like a twinkle in his eye. I, f- I feel like there's a suggested wink to camera. It's just, as Martin Scorsese would say, it is cinema.
0: It's amazing. It's it's basically like a, a fighting game. And it's like Dr. Isaac wins. You know, the same kind of like... And the thing is, because you have this thing where like Alice is like predicting, is it gonna be the ice pick? is it gonna be the canter, is it gonna be the fountain pen? And it's he's like, just clue basically again. Yeah. And he's basically just like looks at her imagining what's going to happen. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, every, like, every scenario <laughs> I am gonna Kill you basically, and there's like no reason for it. He basically just says, "Yes, I'm the original frozen along." Aside from a few technological upgrades, it's just like why? <laughs> like you'll need this in your new dawn of purified reborn earth. It's just like oh, before you freeze me, can you just put like digital fight software in my uh, contact lenses? Thank you.
1: The other bit I really enjoyed. Now I laugh for a full minute when this happens because because ian glenn fighting a lady in a video game movie usually doesn't end well for him um as we saw in tomb raider in this film he knife fights alice atop a giant tank and there's a sequence on top of the tank which really reminded me of indiana jones the last crusade um except there's lots of zombies <laughs> and his arm his hand gets cut off by alice and inside the tank later he goes oh jesus and when i saw this in the cinema i laughed for a full minute there was something about because there's something just about the intensity the entire scene because there's zombies that's when she jumps on the motorcycle and drives away and attacks firing rockets at her and she's sort of sidewinding away and then we cut back to him going oh (laughs) jesus so when I watched it this time, it didn't seem that funny anymore. So I think that's definitely because I'd watched five Resident Evil films <laughs> that day and I was just sort of tripping on the th-
0: ridiculousness of it all. I don't know. I, I think the way he, I, I, I think, so the reason like she cuts off his hand because she needs umbrella employee handprint in order to use their special motorcycles as earlier established. Although like we see the hand being eaten by a zombie later on, and what happens when she needs to stop the bike, and she does at one point, and then she gets off the bike, and then she gets back on it, and still can drive with it. So did she keep a finger or something? It's unclear. But yeah. it, it's, <laughs> it can't help you there. But I th- I think it's not just like the Jesus that he he kind of like says with the camera like right on his face. I think it's also just like the initial like when it happens, and it's just this kind of like. Argh! It's 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 what you would sound like if your hand had just been cut off, I think. But also like the, I think that the, the difference between the original Isaacs who's all like smooth and suave, and you have like zealot Isaacs who's been out in the wild and mm. in his tank he's got crucifixes hanging over. He pulls out a drawer where he's got like at least three or four Alice decapitated heads, where he's just made his way through other clones of hers. I don't know. Pinning around the rest of the USA. <laughs> I don't know. I was I
1: was wondering if um Paul Davis anderson and Emily it still have their sort of drawer full of Alice heads <laughs> somewhere in the house. It's a nice contrast though, yeah. It's when he steps out of that frozen chamber looking just smooth. Um, you're like, oh, that's a breath of fresh Glen there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Those kind of like delicious quips. And I don't usually compliment paul W S Anderson on his dialogue and i think a lot of like say alice's kiss off lines are very rote and first draft but he's clearly like saved some a material for the dr Isaac's character i mean there's there's a bit when when his hand has been cut off he's communicating with wesker and wesker says like um seems like she slipped through your fingers or what remains of them <laughs> and it's just like this really like bitchy <laughs> kind of like stuff and of course there's the immortal reunion where alice red queen and defrosted alicia are all together and he says ah no
2: touching the trinity of bitches united in their hatred
0: it's just such a it's such a stupid line but it's so wonderfully delivered as
1: somebody who likes to do writing himself, you know i just I just wait for those moments to plop on the page you know i put I put my pen down and I sort
0: of sit back and i'm like
1: I'm a genius,
0: <laughs> fair enough to be honest, although I do like the setting of that room, like yeah a- again, like sometimes the design of these films is good, sometimes not so much, but as well as like obviously going back to the hive and you know seeing some familiar sights you know like uh, that corridor
1: i think that's the only sight you read.
0: <laughs> a grubby a grubby laser corridor and that, um, that little room yeah but uh uh i do like their sort of like their layer with the sort of water and the chandelier and the tv screens and and things it's sort of like the the classy way you would do a yeah. you know terminal controlling the fate of humanity
1: yeah i bet the architects spent ages trying to think of something else to call that room other than the lair it's like it doesn't look good to have lair on your floor plan they're like oh it's the security room i guess now they've got 10 they got loads of
0: those uh is, is that why batman calls it the bat cave and not the bat lair
1: and that's true Yeah, it gives negative vibes but yeah we need to go solid... to the
0: hero's lair doesn't
1: work that way <laughs> No, I will say there's this. There's something solid about this film. I feel like there's a part of that one bit when they're fighting on that platform, which is going down, down, down into the sort of pit of frozen umbrella ploys. I think a lot of the world feels very physical and practical.
0: Yeah, it's Um, definitely a bit more grounded in the action. It's a bit punchier and crunchier, I think, just in terms of the set pieces i mean i
1: feel like there's less cgi fake backgrounds or just better cgi just might be just better color correction but yeah there's i think a combination of less slow-mo less cgi bullets flying away yeah there's just something gritty about it i mean it's not that dissimilar in sort of setting to extinction which is like in a sort of dusty desert without any water but I don't know. It just it just feels more legit here. It feels more actual zombie movie. She ends up driving. Now, tell, it's to Raccoon City, and is this fort? Is that the Umbrella Corporation HQ
0: we saw in Apocalypse? Like this big circular tube of a building. I don't know whether it's meant to be. I mean, I I think possibly like that's I think Toronto City Hall or something. It's seen better no, days. Or Vancouver City Hall, but yeah, it looks like the Capitol Records Tower in LA. But I think I think the idea of this tower is that it's meant to be, I guess, like how they did in *Resident Evil: Afterlife*, where the prison became something like a castle setting this whole tower and this big siege that happens at it is meant to be humanity's last stand, or at least Raccoon city's last stand um, with a bunch of survivors, but it is meant to evoke a kind of grand castle, I Mm. think uh, like a huge turret effectively.
1: Yeah. And as you say, it's not that dissimilar from the prison in uh, afterlife, but you know, I feel I got a sense that in Afterlife, there's a lot of C, bad CGI, sort of clouds, even. And like, I feel in this film, just the lighting feels real. It feels like, I think, was, was this film in like South Africa or somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. So I just feel like the the light really gives it this sort of a golden hour quality, perhaps, throughout. And then when the far bigger saw happens, it's at night, and you get some, I think, really creative um defenses including like sort of sort of burning oil they have this sort of i guess gasoline on fire burning all the zombies up
0: and yeah this big cascading waterfall down the center of the it's beautiful tower and you have you know these catapults firing you know big balls of fire at the umbrella tanks leading the army of zombies their way and we get a bit of dialogue
1: where Ian and Glenn I think when one of the tanks gets destroyed, there's like three tanks, and Ian
0: Glenn sees one get destroyed and he's like, Damn her. <laughs> but also at the time he's like riding the top of the sort of transporter heading to the city. And it's just like, there's no reason for him to be standing on top of this vehicle right now. It's just it's exposed. just badass.
1: Yeah. That, huh, they can't use guns. No, that's the zombies, Dr. Isaacs. The humans can use guns. It's like, oh, bloody hell. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I've just got some general enjoyment notes. You know, I enjoyed the military, old school military tactics. Alice has a, well, Alice has a triple barreled shotgun in this film. And there's also a man called Razor who has pistols, which are double barreled and then later on they've got a torch everyone's carrying torches which are like effectively four torches sellotaped together and like you know we've got not got many batteries left but i'm going to use four torches at a time <laughs> um i think that is just um in a franchise which is all about excess i kind of appreciated how just a single barreled gun was not enough <laughs>
0: <laughs> while all this has been happening so like Alice has met up with this band of survivors there and she's like got 48 hours is what the Red Queen has given her before the last the last of humanity's defences fall against, I guess, umbrella forces attacking human bases around the world because they want to just like... Oh, yeah. Zombies weren't enough. There's still 4,000 survivors. It's just like, no, 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 no. We can't have anyone before we wake all of our employees up. We need everyone dead. <laughs> so that's why yeah. they're laying siege to all these defenses which i mean cuckoo bananas but you know it's their plan that's definitely a detail
1: that some people with any sort of smarts would have noticed but i'm like sat there being like
0: yeah it makes sense like in 48 hours all of the humans are gonna snuff out somehow (laughs) um but yeah like you know alice is like determined to get to the hive And then it's like, no, stay here and fight. And she's like, okay. And when they finally, you know, fend off the first wave of Umbrella Force, it's like, okay, now I really need to get to the hive. (laughs) She's like,
1: she's only got you with solids,
0: but now she's only got three hours left. And I, I get nervous knowing i've got to be somewhere in three hours time i'm like oh shit gotta check tfl i've got <laughs> i gotta check i've got everything in my bag i'm gonna need it's just like what if it's cold outside oh, i better put a jacket in my bag there's just like so many details and she's like okay like i know we're in raccoon city but the hive is that away in a big atomic crater and i don't know how i'm gonna get in there yet so <laughs> can she's we just optimistic. make a move
1: yeah she's like oh, i'll be all right i guess I mean, but, so
0: far, things have kind
1: of worked out for her. Not yeah. so much the rest of the world, but, you know, she's a I modern think, hero.
0: I think kind of worked out is, is, like, yeah, she survived all these terrible things that happened to her. <laughs> but, like, yeah, if only one survived. terrible thing... If one terrible thing happened and then the rest was good, it would be, you know, kind of worked out for her as okay. But she repeatedly gets in these sticky situations, Harry.
1: I don't know. I mean, they keep... They keep laboring that this is 10 years since she was activated or whatever. And, and I think it is 10 years in cinema in, in real lifetime, as in the, the world you and I exist in. But I do wonder what an actual chronology of this film series is, you know, because this film takes what takes place like three months after a retribution. And no, retrib- I mean, next
0: day practically, right? I mean, I, I don't think know. they say three months. Well, so she was in DC for three months, she was under, yeah, again. You can't
1: see me, but I'm waving my hand there. And then <laughs> Afterlife and Retribution are definitely back to back because helicopters are arriving during the credits of Afterlife,
0: and then, but we don't know how long she's been. I mean, like, let's not start unpicking the timeline of the previous <laughs> film. Let's just. No, this
1: is the last chapter. We have to do it now. We can't like suddenly be doing Pokemon uh, the movie fourteen and be like, oh my god, I've just worked out the f- timeline of Resident Evil. <laughs> I'm I'm happy to l- leave that tangent elsewhere. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, the new film Resident Evil: Welcome to Raccoon City is decidedly set in 1998, like the first game. So. All I'm saying is the next film coming out this year is a prequel to Paul Paul W.S. Anderson's films. I'm saying that now.
0: I mean, the Fast and the Furious franchise chronology is all messed up as well. So, who, <laughs> you know, and they're still going strong. So.
1: We could have had nine Resident Evil films, but no.
0: We've got nine Resident Evil films already. Just.
1: <laughs> all right. Okay. You've cheered me up again right away. But, you know, we after... So once Alice decides, no, like, I really need to get a move on here. I, I spunked up 20 hours, like, getting here and falling into, like, two traps. Um, There's this... I mean, just going to glance, glancingly refer to us. There's a scene... I mean, she's got this crew of... Red, Claire Red, Redfield is one of them. Ruby Rose, which sounds like a video game character, is another one of them. And they have this sequence of her going through, like, the ruins of... Of the crater and I think they're attacked by these cerberus. They're kind of like thick versions, thick with two C's versions of zombie dogs and somebody gets killed, you know, they're being picked up one by one. But you know, it's a sequence which again is filmed really well. I thought it was very threatening, where it's like there's dark it's dark, there's fog, there's shadows, you know.
0: It's definitely uh, inspired by the opening of the first game as well, because we've Mm. had encounters with zombie dogs before, but the start of the first game has the team all racing to the mansion and Mm. the dogs are chasing after them and it's foggy and dark and they can't see what's happening. So, yeah, it was definitely a a direct inspiration there. But I kind of like the the reason why they're being set upon by zombie dogs is Wester is control of the defense systems for the hive and he's having a little Wesker whiskey, And he's basically just like, release the hounds. (laughs) I finished watching uh, the TV
1: show Hannibal recently, which I enjoyed very much. And I won't go into spoilers about what happens at the end, but I think at various points for coming up with plans to capture Hannibal Lecter, and they're always doing these plans while drinking whiskey. And I'm like, you know what? If you just weren't sozzled when trying to come up with your plan to capture the
0: intelligent... Cannibal actor, you'd get him a lot earlier, I think. <laughs> but you know, it's like free thinking, loosen up, I be guess a little so. uninhibited, and some ideas will flow forth. But clearly, crap ones.
1: I'm such a James Bond fan, but at the same time, whenever like M hands Bond a brandy, I'm like, while you're working, <laughs> you know, this is this is important stuff. National security. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you better That's not a- watch Mad Men then again. <laughs> yeah. hmm. I'm going to avoid that. Don't want to start
1: falling into some bad habits. I mean, this sequence of events when they get to the hive, um, it rather reminded me of Cube because they keep getting booby trapped. They survive the dogs. There's a section of a turbine where I think Ruby Rose gets turned into mincemeat.
0: Yeah, she gets blended.
1: Yeah. And I was like, not Ruby Rose from orange is the new black formerly batwoman and i think she's in john wick two.
0: yeah i think two. but it's it's all kind of gets a bit sore because like wesker's in control of all these little booby traps and having a right old laugh so he's on his little <laughs> tricycle
1: walking <laughs> just like the little puppet <laughs> um <laughs> i just got this image of wesker happily on his happy on his tricycle uh, carry Yules is in another part of the facility crying his little eyes out maybe give him a little um, pinwheel hat as well i mean i talking about the base just suddenly you know there is a monster in in here alice gets deposited into this uh kind of lab and we get a monster which didn't look entirely unlike a tyrant like a classic tyrant from the games
0: did you think that's what they were going through Well, this is actually, uh, so this was a a monster from Resident Evil 6, the only mainline Resident Evil game I have not played, um, but was released around about the time of this film. So this is called a Bloodshot, which is basically just another gribbly monster, but this one has red eyes and spiky teeth.
1: You're still the only person I know who says gribbly, but I love it.
0: (laughs) It's a good catch-all term for video game movie monsters.
1: Hmm. Did Weskin know he had that monster in his basement? I mean, some people have like mice, but he's got like a monster. It just, it would creep me out a bit when. I mean, assuming it was like a whole, I'm assuming that was a place that he knew a monster was in and it was all locked off.
0: Considering in Resident Evil Afterlife, he had big tentacles coming out of his mouth. I know. I don't think he really cares. I guess so, again, what is that about?
1: I mean, I guess I'm. 100% believe if you spoke to Paul W.S. Anderson, just have a nice, a happy conversation, like your old friends and everything, and you just be like, so you know, what was it about Wesker? How come he like, was like a human being in the final chapter, and he would be just like clones, just clones.
0: <laughs> Well, actually, speaking of that, I watched this film on Blu-ray, and I watched this in retaliation mode. Oh. And retaliation mode pretty much just boils down to, you know, director's commentaries. Well, imagine if it wasn't a commentary, but just like every 10 minutes or so, the film stops, and it's Paul W.S. Anderson and Mili on their own in a studio having a goofy loving time talking about the movie and the Resident Evil films in general.
1: Oh, that is was... it like being like, you know, the third wheel? I feel like on the sofa <laughs> and like he's got his hand on her feet and she's like, stop it, stop. <laughs> They <laughs> quite... get sort of distracted and stop thinking, talking about the film. <laughs> and then it's... someone gets decapitated. Then the picture pulls away. They're
0: still there. They're still at it. And like she's it's, giggling. It's not that uh, intimate. Oh. Um, but you know, I mean, I I think it sort of helped my enjoyment of the film maybe a little bit because it's just like every now and then when the film was getting a little bit saggy or something. It'd just be them being like, hi <laughs> <laughs> and then just like talking about how they think the zombies look in this movie compared to the other ones. Or I mean it was it's kind of light on really interesting or uh, you know, revelatory content, but it's quite entertaining in of itself. But I've no idea why it's called retaliation mode, apart from the fact that maybe retaliation was the original subtitle for this movie, because they had to just keep on coming up with new subtitles before they ended up with the final chapter.
1: I was like, when you mentioned retaliation, I was like, I'm sure one of the films is called that. Um, Not yet. Not yet. I feel like we've got, we've just gone all over the place a little bit, but the films a little bit like that. I don't mind. Um, We've not really talked about the characters so much, but they are kind of, they are of no interest whatsoever. (laughs)
0: I guess the only significant survivor amongst them is this character, Doc, who is Claire Redfield's boyfriend. Yes. Um, And the only reason he is of interest is because it turns out he's an umbrella informant all along, which only really manifests itself in the very end where he just turns his gun on Alice and then gets like... You can't have a Mexican standoff of just two people. We need a third guy here. Yeah, because, like, the informant, I don't know, like, he doesn't really give any information to Umbrella, I guess, which gives them the upper hand when it comes to the siege that takes place, because they still fend them off. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe he gave them their location, but that's all it boils down to. At no other point does he try to stop Alice until she's already got guns on her from his employees. Em- yeah. From his employees. I guess...
1: I guess- Wesker and Doctor Isaac's plans to v- revenge themselves against Alicia and Alice—it's on on the on the macro scale, it's destroying the world. On the micro scale, they just want a sort of a little petty betrayal. <laughs> um, but like, I, mean, I guess he's he's Claire's sort of squeeze, so maybe Wesker's like, "What I'm going to do? I'm going to orchestrate it so that Claire has lots of lovely sex with a man." And then it turns out to be the man's a traitor, and Claire's going to be like, "Well, I, I got lots of sex. I'm okay. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. How,
0: do, do you like my plan? <laughs> I, don't I don't see where this fits into the grand scheme of things.
1: The thing is, like, you're talking about dialogue earlier, and we get to a point where, of course, um, Doc gets gets the gun pulled out of his hands and. He's pleading with Claire not to kill him. And Claire just goes, I'm sorry. And then shoots him. And, like, is she sorry? She didn't have to kill him.
0: (laughs) She could be sorry and, like, go. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I'm sure if, like, you got betrayed by a significant other. You know, in a kind of no-consequence end-of-the-world scenario, it's just like, yeah, I could shoot them in the face, why not? Oh, Rory, that's really dark, I don't like that.
1: (laughs) Suddenly I'm like, oh, if there's no consequences, I'll shoot somebody.
0: (laughs) That's Rory. (laughs) (laughs) I love the purge.
1: He'd do purge every day if he could.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, you can't do it every day, because then it's no longer special. I guess so, yeah. Petition for a four-day week. So four days working, one day purge, two days weekend.
1: So the only other character who held my interest at all was, like I mentioned him earlier, Razor, who he's just this dude who speaks like he's in BBC's Merlin because <laughs> he's like, we got to go down here and we got to go down there. And I couldn't work out if people like talked like that in real life or just in movies.
0: That, that actor, I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. He does... A lot of British TV, I think i know him best, aside from this, from the Armando Iannucci shows, where he appears in a bunch of sketches. And no, like the actor, Fraser James does have a naturally raspy voice. The bad seed returns.
2: Or is it the prodigal daughter? Well, don't you stand there, come in. After all, you have only nine minutes to save the world. You're him. First things first, I'm gonna need you to place your weapons on the floor. Why would I wanna do that? This is what you're after, yes? The antivirus, the cure to all this. Well, there's only one vial. We're a half a mile underground in a sealed facility. I drop it here, the antivirus goes nowhere, and your hopeless dreams will die sooner rather than later. go. You're still armed. Yes, I am. Claire would be so
3: disappointed.
2: In a few minutes, Claire would be dead. Along with everybody else, you know.
3: That's sweet. Sorry. My love, move away from the weapon. And the detonator. Place
2: explosives and high command cryotubes. I'll disarm them. Thank you. You've done well, Doc.
1: One thing we've not even mentioned about this final stretch of the film is sort of the big dilemma, because Alice learns that there's this airborne antivirus which can literally save the world, kill all the zombies because they've got T-virus, but because she's got T-virus in her, she's led to believe that it will kill her as well. And I think we've said before in earlier Resident Evil films have. it doesn't seem to be really any stakes. But this is like a, a goddamn stakes, man. It's like, I'm going to I mean, I quite like being alive, <laughs> but I need to save the world.
0: Yeah, but she doesn't really wrestle with it herself internally. It's only like Claire who spends the whole film saying, like, you can't you won't do it. You mustn't do it, but you'll die. You'll die. And Alice is just like, yeah, it's what I got to do. And Claire's like, no, you can't. And Alice is like, it's what i got to do. And Claire's like, no, you'll die. And like, it's what i got to do. And thinking about it, I
1: don't think they've actually been in each other's company for more than 24 hours because didn't they meet each other first in Extinction and then they rushed off to um, what they thought was Arcadia and then they spend a bit of time together in a prison?
0: Yes and... after her memory's been wiped of everything that happened in the previous film. Yeah.
1: And then they part ways off screen at the start of retribution.
0: Mhm. Okay, I got it. Yeah. It's so, just nice to see a familiar face.
1: You know, it is as I say it's nice to have some stakes, nice to have a dilemma. She needs to get to the hive. I thought there's going to be some method of sort of distributing the antivirus with a big hose That all she has to do you know there's usually something to pump something into the atmosphere but what she actually has to do is get this sort of sort of um chunky test tube and release it on the surface and it sort of immediately distributes across the world sometimes against the wind somehow
0: <laughs> yeah i mean it, it you'd think in a crater like it's a valley in of itself Mm. so it's going to take a little bit longer to dissipate like i don't know it'd be funny if it just like stayed in this crater and just like went round in a big antivirus tornado and just just never left (laughs) i know how weather works yeah exactly (laughs) sort of the weather girl
1: saying and coming in from the east some antivirus but she'll I was going to say she'd probably be a zombie, but she could be one of the 4,000. And she's spending her time doing the weather. (laughs) She's got a felt board with pictures of clouds and lightning. And that's how she spends her time. And I'm not going to judge, but you know.
0: Well, we had a weather person, character, in Resident Evil Apocalypse. We did. There's past form.
1: I think I I need to make a list of all the careers we've seen so far. And um, that will be my list. (laughs) (laughs) It's like serves no purpose a bit like a weather girl anyway um i guess it's just there's just more fighting in various locations isn't it it's quite fun to see the fighting in the laser corridor again it's it's like meeting an old friend
0: yeah but like the thing is is that we've already had alice versus dr isaac in a laser corridor
1: oh did that happen already
0: that was in resident evil extinction forgot that when they're in the kind of like the nevada version of the test facility where they bring a laser corridor again and dr rises is in sort of like tyrant mode at that point mm-hmm. so it's a little bit different and so yeah it's like let's do it all over again but this time grime and in the retaliation mode anderson does indicate that like he, he whenever he refers to the script he refers to it almost like he was the one who didn't write it and come up with these ideas <laughs> it's just like oh, I wrote this, and then it's just like, I didn't know how I was going to make it any different. Like, <laughs> it was just like, so they go to the laser corridor, and it's just like, you know, I did it again, even though it was in the script. Like, he gets this, he gets delivered the script to me, It's just like, oh, what, well, the laser corridor again, what am I going to do with this? And it's just like, you're the one who bloody wrote it.
1: <laughs> well, um, I mean, to to be fair, it is one of the iconic things people remember from these films. And so you
0: know they just put it bit... again and again and
1: again. Yeah, you know, I mean, as I say, James Bond he says "shaking not stirred a lot." This is the equivalent of that.
0: <laughs> the well, in, the, in the script, Anderson did write uh, that this would then be. He didn't put any action beats in the script. He just wrote the greatest fight sequence in the whole franchise. <laughs> Literally, I mean, that's exactly what he said. Yeah, and then I guess he just made it up as he went along when they so got to set.
1: That that kung fu guy who had a sort of a proper kung fu fight with uh, Alice must feel really sort of bad (laughs) because I love Ian Glenn, but he's not a martial artist at all. (laughs) Um, And so, all this time, he's got the virus, antivirus in his pocket, and it's obviously very important not to destroy this antivirus while it's still underground. But Alice still decides to defeat him by putting. A grenade in his other pocket <laughs> yes and like he does this wonderful bit of like wiggly leg acting as the grenade explodes i'm assuming it was not a practical effect
0: <laughs> but you know it still was a, a gamble and also making sure that you put it in the jacket pocket which is not the same one as the antivirus but like when when she like slipped it in there did she be like oh wrong pocket stick it in the
1: other one at this time alice's fingers are also cut off and you know things are getting real you
0: know it's a final chapter when actual bodily harm is happening i think when she pulls the test tube out of the jacket pocket it's got like a kind of metal cover and then it like sort of retracts to reveal the antivirus i feel like that's like a cg thing they did in post which is like someone queried so this antivirus can like you know you drop it from like a meter and a half onto the ground and it instantly breaks but it can withstand an explosion it's just oh no 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 wait there's like some metal casing (laughs) over it when it's in ian glenn's pocket but at no other time in the film
1: i know i mean it's a wonderful prop i think i mentioned this in our first resident evil episode this sort of intertwining kind of helix-esque virus test tube thing but even in a metal case i think it would shatter with a good shake you know but um Anyway, you know, it's the final chapter. We we It'll be a real bummer if everyone died at the end.
0: <laughs> so Alice makes it to the surface. Claire will follow behind somehow. Um, and she gets there with the antivirus, but then clone Isaacs, crazy Christian clone Isaacs, appears having brought an army of zombies with him, and he's all like, they're all for you, Alice. They're all for you. I brought them along. But, like, when... Clone Isaac sees original OG Isaacs he just looks so crestfallen it's so beautiful and mm. he's like I'm the real one you idiot um, and Clone Isaacs just full on stabs the real one saying like liar, abomination, filthy clone <laughs> Um, but you know it matters not because then Clone Isaacs also gets eaten by zombies
1: yeah I think I got a bit um,
0: confused there it's it's all yeah. I mean
1: I mean you got two Isaacs, so And at I'm this surprising.
0: point real Isaacs has had part of his stomach blown mm-hmm. apart by a hand grenade, so neither of them are looking uh finest. <laughs> um but yeah, it's uh it's at this point where the whole hive explodes because Wester who's had his foot trapped under a door, um, <laughs> has been given a bomb uh button to hold on to and as soon as he releases everything will explode and taking with it all of the hives and taking with it all of the umbrella uh workforce who thought they were going to have a happy reunion on the earth's surface but have been fried in their chambers you've reminded me there's just a wonderful line when I think
1: Alice is approaching Wesker and gives Wesker the grenade to hold. And Wesker says, "I should have killed you in Washington." And there's a pause. Alice goes, "Yeah." <laughs> and I just, I just really liked that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Good, good, good acting. Good final hurrah from old, uh,
0: old Medievich. Um. And yeah. So uh, Alice drops the T virus. Expecting that she will die as an army of the dead swarm around her, and uh, she falls to the ground. And it's at that point we think goodbye, Alice. I really kind of wish she had died.
1: <laughs> she doesn't really add much to the rest of the film, does she? Turns out, turns out the Red Queen p- pretended that doing this would kill her because Alicia and the Red Queen needed to know, she would see things through. But that still seems like a needless
0: gamble. It's sort of, what if she said actually no? (laughs) Because I don't want to die. Apparently the original ending was that Alice would die, but Paul W. Sanderson in his Infinite Wisdom said that it was even stronger and more emotional, and for the fans, to have her live and this whole idea that she gets back there's a neural link with her and Alicia and she gets all of her memories so she mm. finally has a past of her own it's still somebody else's though yeah i it's mean like blade she, runner she's not thick or anything <laughs> like, <laughs> she she knows this didn't happen to her but it's just like oh i've got all this home video footage of my actual real life daughter i can watch mm. great
1: <laughs> but you know i just just to put a uh, silver lining on there i still like how they use sort of the floor i mean i was just before we started watching this film i had been thinking gosh alice is like a nothing character there's nothing to her all she does all the time is kill zombies and i have no knowledge of her inner life at all and they kind of I feel rather cleverly made that a strength of this film. This is about how she has no past and she didn't really realise it. I know it doesn't make sense <laughs> because, like I said, she keeps saying she remembers everything. What
0: happened, like, last week, Alice? She's like, um... Well, they retconned that, so it didn't happen. Yeah, anyway. Must be very confusing being her. <laughs> I uh, I
1: am an easy mark, though. I got a bit emotional. Maybe because, as we said... This is the last time we'll be talking about Paul W.S. Anderson's Resident Evil movies.
0: Yes, we leave Alice on a motorcycle headed to zombie Manhattan with those giant bat monsters in pursuit.
1: Not framed as a cliffhanger. This is just her life now.
0: Yeah. She just says, like, it could take years for the antivirus to spread to every corner of Earth. So my work is not yet done. And the camera zooms into her eye just like it zoomed out of her eye at the start of the first film and you know referencing the uh title screen of the first game etc um and there we have it alice drives off into the distance and uh good luck to her i think the last thing she says is my name is alice and
1: you know what i knew that already oh so what did you think then um of the final chapter
0: well i think when i first saw it i didn't warm to it very much and i think it was because it was in 3d it was very loud it was very blurry all the action it was very dark couldn't really see anything that was happening through a good half of the movie and it felt very much like it was just retreading everything that we'd seen before um but i think this time around i definitely enjoyed it more and i think it's definitely one of the stronger episodes standalone of the franchise because i think the action is a bit sort of punchier i think it's a bit more um interesting the set pieces i think yeah it has that story it has that character which franchise has been searching for this whole time and finally does something with it even though it completely just comes out of the blue but like you know this whole end of the world apocalypse umbrella orchestrating this great purification of the planet it's completely balmy but you know it kind of adds an interesting element which isn't really in the games i don't think has been You know, Umbrella's plan is is made that explicit, so at least it gives it something. And I think it also just, it's, it's. I think, is it's a strong performance. She doesn't really say or do much different, but it's, you know, the, the sort of maturation of the character at last. And counterpoint to that, you finally have, like, a good juicy villain for her to go up against and yeah he's been in other films of course but um it's like his time to shine and you, you kind of um even though I think like the rivalry that Isaacs and Alice have for each other is manufactured to an extent it's just like uh, we've got to have her against someone uh well, let's pick this guy but by kind of like retrospectively making him like the architect of this apocalypse like he was the one who basically greenlit the end of the world um i don't know it it adds something and the fact that it's seeing glenn doing it in like very delicious fashion it just brings a smile to my face every time he's on screen being a big smarmy smirky maniac so i
1: saw this film with you of course at the cinema and um yeah, I I actually did a review of this film back on Letterboxd, which I'm not gonna read. It's actually quite a lengthy one, but I seemed quite down kinda of down on it then. But I think both then and now I did really appreciate that that this this hasn't this has an ending and it feels direction has a direction and is not just action for action's sake. There is a lot of action. I mean it is mostly action <laughs> actually, but I think it's a combination of, I think it feels more expensive. It looks more solid as a film. Um, there is character drama and character analysis. I mean, you know, a big a big question when you're writing characters is what do characters want? You know? And I actually don't know if I could tell you what Alice really wanted through the majority of her film. Other than sort of that nebulous sort of safety sort of thing. But here, Alice realizes that there can be an end to this. And I think that's very, um, you know, you go with her on that. And you know, I, I've said this a few times. This review doesn't make sense. What what Umbrella, Umbrella's ultimate goal means, but at, at least, at least we know what they want now. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, I I think regardless of what we say about our final rankings of the franchise, I think this is a strong end. To this franchise and I feel it's a bit of a love letter to the fans who've kept with these films for so long through thick and thin. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um yes, I'm just so glad that it didn't end on on retribution. Um and I feel like lessons were learned from retribution and I feel like a lot more effort was put into sort of the emotional journey of the characters and you know, maybe got me a little bit more excited about Monster Hunter than I would before. <laughs> because i feel like halfway through the start of this film where miljovich is being chased by a giant monster in a truck he was like oh i could make another film all about this (laughs) so we'll see so yeah a strong finish which again when we're talking about you know the overall context of the resident evil franchise you know it's maybe damning with faint praise
0: i mean these are all kind of two to three star movies yeah, at look best. at my ranking.
1: I've got a three and a half somewhere.
0: So when we're looking at our final rankings, f- there's there's a degree that some of these places could shift at any given day. So it really is just depending what mood I'm in that most of these can be effectively jumbled up. But shall we present our, our final Resident Evil ranking? Yeah. Number six for me is Afterlife.
1: Oh, I see. Well, I got I got Resident Evil Retribution because, oh, sure. like I said a few times, I just found it just interminable <laughs> as in all the slow motion. And I think in the last review, we were saying it's just completely chaotic noise and a little bit insulting, if I recall.
0: Well, I mean, I think Afterlife is the weakest for me because I think it is actually after the big clone Attack of the Clones at the start of the movie. It is like a whole load of dull until they get to the ship at the very end. Um, so and a lot of it is again like in slow-mo, and that worked when it was in 3D and doesn't work necessarily at home. So I think it's maybe the sort of, you know, the dip in the middle for me. There's just not much character to it. Resident Evil 5.
1: So for number five, I have Extinction.
0: That's now my number five as well. Yeah. I think again it's like that sort of middle dip, and yeah, you've got Maureen Ian Glenn in that movie, but I feel like it's just a very bland setting. And the sort of, you know, now that we have Mad Max Fury Road, we don't need Resident Evil <laughs> Extinction.
1: And if you're gonna bury your Ian Glenn under so many prosthetics at the end, you're misusing your Ian Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, no, absolute not, no. Resident Evil 4. For me, Resident Evil Afterlife sits at number four. Okay, well, I put
0: Apocalypse in number four because it's definitely the worst made Resident Evil movie by a big chalk. I think it's definitely, like, this is objectively a sort of bad movie as opposed to, like, like a stupid or or average movie, but there's so it's definitely the film which is the most in keeping with the games in terms of you know the setting and the things they encounter and what they do and the way it's shot and it's definitely like trying to evoke the sort of like original first few games more than any of the other films and maybe once Welcome to Raccoon City comes out you know i won't need resident evil apocalypse in my life anymore but <laughs> it's probably the one which i've kind of like gravitated towards and watched the most out of pure like fanboy easter reggae you know secondhand reference enjoyment um above the others
1: yeah i remember you being surprisingly cool on it but i liked it a bit more so we'll get to that resident evil
0: you put for number three see i put retribution in three because i agree with you on everything but i still like it because it's just so ludicrous and i think it's just it's the case where i could see how final chapter was like well we've got to wrap this up and this was just like well what haven't we done yet Mm. and so you just get all these it's definitely the most set pc and the least story-driven, because it really is just like Alice encounters all these different action sequences and then escapes from the lair. And that's all there is to it. It doesn't change anything or do anything. It's the franchise spinning its wheels before the end. But it does so in such a kind of bonkers way with clones and, you know, the Dawn of the Dead remake suburban ripoff thing, bringing back Colin Salmon, bringing back Michelle Rodriguez, (laughs) having, like... You know, giant liquors in St. Petersburg and zombie soldiers, it's just like not so, but I kind of like that um, approach that sort of throw everything at the wall and see what Stitt's approach.
1: No, no, that's you argue your case well. I still feel how the story, if you want to call it a story, (laughs) is told. Um, or how the film was shot in front of grating me up the wrong way. But no, you are right. They, they did throw everything at the wall and saw what stuck. Um, my number three is the original Resident Evil film. Okay. Which um, I think I think we said in our first episode... I feel this one is the one that actually feels like a film, <laughs> like actually yes. made for cinemas and things. Yes. I, I recently rewatched Paul W. Sanderson's Mortal Kombat because I'm getting excited about the new film. And, you know, you forget he used to make films which sort of felt like films. <laughs> 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 I don't know how to describe it. But, yes, I mean, it's, so it, I think maybe it would be a little bit lower if it was kind of made later, if that makes any sense. But I mm. think by virtue of the fact that it feels like an actual film, I just feel just as a little bit dry. I don't know. But of course, this has been out of order the Resident evil films. This is the one I haven't watched in like a few years now. So, you know, I always give it a go. I always put it on. The cycle um, starts again. <laughs> yes. we'll, we'll do re, re-reviews. Re-present evil, re-reviews. Uh, when we run out of other films to do, crowd say bow selector. <laughs>
0: uh, number two we're on now, aren't we? So this is where I put the final chapter, and mm-hmm. this might be because it's like the freshest in my mind and all that kind of stuff. But I do think I, I feel like the films sort of like start strong and go gradually down and then dip and then like spring back up again towards the end and. I think, yeah, got to give it to Glenn, um, for making, um, uh, the most out of, um, that film and, you know, it's without him, it would probably be a bit further down in the list, but, um, yeah, as I said earlier in the episode, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a goodie.
1: I feel like we've got an Ian Glenn podcast coming along where we go through his oeuvre. So, um, yeah, maybe that would be the sequel to this at some point. Um, my number two is Resident Evil 2 Apocalypse. And I think, again, we said that at the time, um, I feel it is a lot more scatter shots and the first film is a lot better made. But there's something about it, sort of gonzo nature, um, which I just I felt really enjoyed. It just feels just a little bit scummy and dirtier. And, yeah, it's, it's really rough, but it's got the Resident Evil stuff I always wanted. But I fully agree i'm going to be interested to see what the new resident evil film return to Raccoon city will do to this film in my rankings because i i guess as we said before the, the only the first two resident evil films are set in in nominally the real world where everything else takes place in like a d- deserted wasteland or post-apocalypse so you know i just i just like seeing a city being destroyed by zombies i guess <laughs> that's what a zombie film should be Resident Evil. Which leaves us to our top bananas. And for me, if you've been following the titles, I've put the final chapter at number one for now. Because yes, I think as as like you, I feel this is much more fresher in the memory, but I feel like I've gone on a journey watching all these films. And I feel like I have been satisfied at the end of a Resident Evil film. You know, don't ask me why. Lots Lashings of Ian Glenn. Always goes down a treat.
0: Yeah, well, I've put the first film in my number one spot, and I think it is, you know, partially because it is the original, partially because it is the first installment. And I remember not being very happy with it when I first saw it, and I think when we rewatched it for the podcast, I I have warmed to it over the years, and I think definitely out of all the other films, it's got its own tone, it's got its own energy, it feels unique and different. It's claustrophobic. It's focused just on. This bunch of people trying to survive a horrible situation, and you know, I think the other films feel more frivolous in in that respect. It's just here's another bunch of survivors who's going to make it to the end. Doesn't matter because we're not going to see them in the next film anyway. Um, whereas uh, in the original, it 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 feels you know because it is set all in the hive, it feels contained, and um, I think it's like the film which is trying the most. And as you say, the most sort of cinematic, even though it is probably on the smallest scale.
1: Well, that really makes me happy because I do remember, to my surprise, you saying how you really didn't like the first Resident Evil film because you were such a fan of the games. And so this has been worth it, Rory.
0: <laughs> this Again, this is all in the context of ranking these six movies. As soon as I bring any other movies into this realm, like there's thousands of other films I prefer to these films.
1: That's true. But, you know, as Resident Evil fans, they'll have a special place in our hearts. And so we'll bid farewell to Resident Evil and, you know,
0: thank you. <laughs> but <laughs> um, Resident Evil is dead. Long live Resident Evil. The series is going to be resurrected. Come, come back to life. Yes, I mean, our next Resident Evil episode will probably be in just a few months' time. <laughs> yes, we got those anime to look through with that.
1: I'm looking forward to the one, I keep seeing the video of it, where I think Chris is chasing another man with a gun and they shoot like a hundred bullets like within inches of each other's. It's like Gun Carter from Equilibrium, but looks even more
0: silly. Resident Evil Vendetta on a future episode, no doubt.
1: In the meantime, though,
0: how can people keep in touch with games and film? you can find more information about video game movies especially the Resident Evil movies i guess <laughs> on our website slash podcast we're also on social media we're on facebook and twitter and instagram at gamesonfilmpod please do follow us there because we'll keep you up to date with both the podcast news and also video game movie news you can also follow us individually on twitter at Steele for me
1: i'm at only man who can
0: And you can also contact us by email at gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. The music for this episode and all episodes was composed by David Lightfoot. And all episodes of the podcast are available wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, Acast, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. So please do like, rate, review, share and subscribe wherever you can.
1: Well, this has been quite the ride In a year's time. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm just getting a bit sentimental just looking at my rankings. Wondering when or if I watch any of these films again.
0: <laughs> it's it's like we're suddenly adrift because we don't have a Resident Evil franchise to hang on to. But there'll be another Resident Evil movie bobbing uh, through the uh, waters soon enough for us to <laughs> yeah. land onto. Uh,
1: well, anyway, it's been a pleasure. Until next time, my name is Harry.
0: My name is Rory, and I remember everything. Take care. Bye-bye.
3: Sally called when she got the word
2: She said, I suppose you've heard About Alice
3: When I rushed to the window and I looked outside But I could hardly believe my eyes As a big limousine rolled up into alice's drive oh i don't know why she's leaving or where she's gonna go
2: i guess she's got a reasons, but i just don't want to know cause for 24